I want to read a single verse from John chapter 3. And really our focus though is on 9 through 21, but if you will stand in God's honor, John 3 verse 3 is our verse. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, show us this truth. Father, just make it clear to us that we must be born again, Lord. Born from above, that one birth is simply not enough, Lord. So just uh, continue to move among us, and I pray that your word, Father, would be given with uh, your spirit, Lord, for your purpose. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Um, we looked at a guy next time, last time, by the name of Nicodemus. And it's interesting because chapter 2 closes out and Jesus is doing all these miracles. And people, of course, are drawn to see Jesus do these amazing things. And to hear him speak. And yet, it's interesting because the chapter closes and all these people are crowding around him to want something from him. But, but listen to how, how it closes. It says, But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all men. He did not need man's testimony about man, for he knew what was in a man. God knows us. We can't hide from Him. We might play games, but who are we kidding? He is God. He is aware of everything. He, he knows us, and he, he loves us. It's interesting here because these people, they gathered around Jesus because they wanted something, not because they needed something. But He would change all that in this encounter that we looked at last time and we want to go in detail this morning on with this man, Nicodemus. Jesus, when he speaks in the passage, which we'll see a little bit later, he says, aren't you the teacher of Israel? In other words, he was the top dog teacher. He was the guy that was invited around the circuit. He was the one all the synagogues, all the churches of that day wanted to hear. He was the guy who spoke with authority. He was the teacher. And when he came to see Jesus, it's because there was something in him. There was an inner longing, there was an inner question, there was an inner desire, something that he knew he needed beyond what he had. Now when he came to Jesus, he actually, it's, it's almost kind of funny, he spoke to Jesus like they were peers, like they were equal teachers. But the truth of the matter is, he saw Jesus as a man who spoke for God. But in reality, he will learn, as we will see today, that actually he is God who speaks for man. And guys, there is a huge, huge difference. It is so easy for us to think that we are made right with God by being good people, by keeping the rules, by always showing up at church, by doing the right things, and God will say, oh, isn't he wonderful? Isn't she great? I am going to 
notice that person and bring them right into my family. Nicodemus was like that. He was the guy that appeared to have it all together and have all the answers. But boy, was he shocked when he heard Jesus speak. Jesus said, hey, hey Nicodemus, unless a man is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And, and then he went on and he said, hey, um, <laughs> you have to be born of the water and of the spirit. And so Nicodemus is hearing all of this and he's totally confused. What in the world is Jesus talking about? He did not understand. He did not grasp it. And you know, through the years, um, I've heard so many people say, I wish you could have met this person or that person. I'm telling you, this person is the best Christian I have ever met. And they're just so wonderful. And, and the way they walk with God, and, and I'm not denying that's not true because I have met a lot of wonderful people that I love and I respect. But I'll tell you this about those people. Without a doubt, I have found that all those people, if you ask them, how did you become such a great person? They don't give you a list of all this stuff they did to become a great person. What they say is, you know, it's not about being a great Christian. It's about having a great Savior. Jesus Christ. He changed my life. And, and we want to look this morning more in detail on what it means to be born again. That phrase has been used so much through the years, I think it's lost some of its zap. <laughs> Matter of fact, when we spent a short time in Long Island, New York, and they even had, you know, you had your different groups, and one of the church groups they called born againers. You know, those born againers. And yet Jesus, when he talks, he, he doesn't he doesn't break us down into different denominations and groups. He says you're either born again, born from above, or you're not. And and so as we look at that this morning, we want to look at first that of the source of new life and I'll read a couple of verses here but before I get into that I want you to uh, look at how Nicodemus responded after Jesus goes through this explanation <laughs> of you know you have to be born a second time and uh, Nicodemus listens to this and he's just totally in the dark in verse 9 he says how can this be in the Phillips translation it says how on earth can things like this happen well first i want you to see the source of the new birth it is not something that we concoct it is not something we devise or create it is not something we earn or something we build it's from above look at our text here verses 11 through 13 jesus answered and said you are israel's teacher you know top teaching dog <laughs> and Yet you do not understand these things? I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know and we testify to what we've seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended in heaven, but he who came down from heaven. That is the Son of Man who is in heaven. So Jesus basically says to him, okay, you're the teacher, but let me tell you something, a primetime top dog teacher. You can't understand what you do not know. 
you, you can't express the things of heaven if you're bound by earth. You can't fully know the spiritual if you're locked in to the material. If you're bound by this earth suit, how can you know heavenly things? And, you know, we're trapped by time and space. We're trapped by our five senses. We're, we're trapped by what we can grasp and we can understand. And typically we think, hey, if you're going to earn a wage, you've got to work for it. And so, by being trapped in this box, do you know what happens when people trapped in the box try to explain spiritual things? They create a religion. <laughs> and, and so, we've got all kinds of different religions around us as a result of that. Um, you've got the Buddhists who say, man, you, you, know, you just get to that place where you will enter the perfect nirvana by your works and by being in the right frame of mind. And you've got this new age concept that I'm on a path to become a God myself. That it is, I've just got to discover who I am within. and I will rise to the occasion. Or you have the Hindu who believes in reincarnation. And depending on how they live, depends on how they go up and down the life chain. You know, whether you're going to end up a mosquito or a roach. Or if you're going to end up to the top and be accepted into Brahman. Into that heavenly place so religions are created but the problem is they're still stuck in a box and so what they create the religion that is formed it is bound by time and space it's bound by what only can be understood and known here that in order to really grasp and understand and know from what is above you need somebody who is not in the box to come and to get in the box and to tell you what's outside of the box and that is Jesus Christ. That is the story of the reincarnation. God himself took on human form, born in a manger. You know, it's what Christmas is all about. That God himself came, born into a human body. And so he was man and he was God fully. Jesus, who was out of the box, stepped into the box. But we cannot know what's outside the box apart from him. This is from Ecclesiastes 3.22 in the Good News Translation. It says, So I realize then that the best thing we can do is enjoy what we've worked for. There's nothing else we can do. There is no way for us to know what will happen after we die. The way to know is to trust in the one who's been there. The one who died and was raised from the dead. The one who is our hope the one who is our reconciler, our emancipator, the one who brings us freedom. Of course, I'm talking about the Lord. He is the source of new life. Now, secondly, next part, I want to look at the force of a new life. What's the power of this new life? Uh, let's look at verses 14 through 17. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in Him. For God so loved the world, He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. In order for this power to be made available to us, death had to come. 
it's strange to think that the way to receive life meant that there had to be death. And that is exactly what Jesus is referring to here in this passage. 1 Peter 3.18 says, Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but was made alive by the Spirit. Death occurred so that life may occur for us. Notice in our text, he makes mention in verse 14 is Moses lifting up the snake in the wilderness. God's people, they were in the wilderness. God was taking care of them with manna. And they were sick of eating manna, and they were not grateful for the fact they had anything to eat. And, you know, they had ran out of ideas what to do with the manna. I mean, you know, they had uh, manna, banana bread, uh, they had manicotti, and, uh, you know, different ideas like that. But pretty soon it just got boring, and so they're griping and they're complaining. And as a result of all this, this these snakes come out, and man, I do not like poisonous snakes, you know. So all these snakes are coming, they're getting bitten, they're sick. God speaks to Moses. He says, take a bronze pole, put a serpent on the pole, lift it up and tell the people, you look at the pole and you will be healed. So that is the reference here. Now, two things have to happen in order for the Hebrews to find healing from the snake bites. Number one, they must believe that they need it. So it is with coming to Christ. So it is with being born anew. You have to understand that you need Jesus. That you need to be born from above. That you have that need. We need to understand that we are broken. I, I, uh, I love it. One guy has said, and I've used it so many times now, said often, you know, we ask the question, are you good enough to go to heaven? But he said, I think a better question is, will you allow God to heal you? We are all broken in some way or another. If we hang around each other enough, we'll find out that person's just weird. Of course, I like to use the word quirky. Look at that quirky guy. He's quirky in this way. She's quirky in that way. But the truth of the matter is, God wants to heal us. He wants to give us life. So the first thing is, you have to know, <laughs> you need. You need to be healed. The second thing that you have to do is... You have to believe that it's going to work. You have to do it. You have to look. You have to go beyond talking about it. Well, I believe in Jesus, and, and you, know, I, you know, I think this about God. Well, that may all be true, but what have you personally done? Is He your Savior? Have you been born again from above by placing your confidence and trust in Him? And, and look... I love this illustration Jesus uses because, let's face it, it's just counterintuitive. There's got to be something that I can contribute. There's got to be something that I can do that is going to impress God, going to put Him on my side, going to win Him over. And yet these people, all they had to do was to look, to look upon the bronze serpent, upon the bronze pole, and and in a similar fashion, Jesus is saying, all you have to do is to look to me to be saved. To place your heart in me. Have your confidence 
in me. It's so much easier just to look to ourselves, and yet that always falls short. That's why Jesus came, to pay the price that we could not pay. He did that for us, guys. It says, when Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, the Son of Man must be lifted up. This is not a reference to just lift him up to bring him glory. This is a reference that he was lifted up on a wooden cross. He was nailed to it, and it was there that he took his last breath. Why did this occur? Why did it happen? Well, a couple of reasons. Number one, justice had to be served. The Bible tells us without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. A sacrifice, a blood sacrifice is necessary for there to be justice. I watched a video earlier in the week. Sometimes I'll get on YouTube and just kind of play around, look around, see if I bump into something. Uh, so anyway, I, I found John MacArthur was interviewing Ben Shapiro, you know, from the Daily Wire. And it was really interesting because Ben Shapiro is a devout Jew, and of course John MacArthur is a, a Christian preacher out in California. And Shapiro asked MacArthur, said, well, we worship the same God. And John MacArthur said, yeah, it's the same God that we worship. He said, so what is the difference between a Christian and a Jew? MacArthur began to talk about the Jewish system of sacrifices and he said, let's face it, when we look in the Old Testament at the Jewish sacrifices, the priests were nothing but godly butchers. Man, they were always cutting up animals as sacrifices, and the blood flowed and the blood poured. And the problem was the sacrifices would never stay adequate. There always had to be another sacrifice. So that's the bloody butcher deal. <laughs> Another sacrifice, another sacrifice. He said, but Christians believe that Jesus Christ is the final sacrifice. That his sacrifice is the sacrifice of all sacrifices that paid the price. Listen to uh, Hebrews 10, 14. For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made you see, when we place our confidence in Jesus Christ to forgive us, to save us, to transform us, that we may be born from above, hey guys, we are made perfect forever in God's eyes because He sees the perfect sacrifice of Jesus. He doesn't look upon us. He looks upon Christ. That is what He sees. We're made holy. I got to tell you, so, you know, uh, when we went to Florida, the, the last night, we got up like 4.30 to leave the next morning to come back. And, and Dad, you know, he, he, he was waiting there. He got up for us. He's so, so nice, so kind. So we're sitting there talking to him as we're getting ready to leave. And he looks over at me and he said, I had a dream last night, Todd, and you were in it. I go, okay. He said, an angel came to us. And he said, you need, you need to get into the book of John and read the book of John. Now, he didn't know I'm preaching through the book of John, okay? So I thought, okay, God, I better listen. There's something here. So he said, you need, we need to get in the book of John. And he said, God told you and me. He said, you need to give people this message. God is good and God is strong. So what's he saying? God is good. He's so good. He sent his one and only son to die for us. 
but he is strength. There is no other way but the way of submitting ourselves to a God who loves us and be honest about our sin. And to come to Him and say, Lord, forgive me, and that sacrifice will cover us, but He's strict. We can't go about it any other way. That is a slap in God's face. He sent His Son for a direct reason, and so when we try to go another road, it's a dead end. Worse than that, you go off of a cliff. doesn't work. Secondly, not only for justice, but he did it because of love. Of course, John 3.16, the verse we all know so dearly if we've been in the church any time at all. It says, for God so loved the world. Man, he loves you. He loves people. And I tell my friend Barry all the time, every once in a while he'll call and mention it. He said, you know, you remember you said a couple of years ago you know, that when we get to heaven, we're going to spend all of eternity. Just trying to grasp how much he loves us. Man. His love is beyond comprehension. It's indescribable. It's unbelievable, except it happened. His love displayed to us on the cross. I, I love in Hebrews 12, 2. It says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of faith for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. <laughs> as painful as the scourging, as painful as the cross was, as painful as all of the rejection that occurred, he had his eyes set on a specific purpose. He had his eyes on the goal. And you know what the goal was? You. He did all of that for you. And there was a joy within him, even though there was so much pain. Why was there joy? Because he knew once the pain was over, the end result of that would be you'd be safe in him. That is the hope that we have when we are born from above, when we are born again. Safe in him. Safe in him. What's interesting is, Nicodemus in the Jewish way of thought and is that once the Messiah came and once he took his rightful place as the ruler and as the king, the one in charge, then all of the Gentiles and all the other kingdoms, they would be judged. But the Jews, you know, they, they, would, be the, they would be the ones in charge and forgiven and blessed by God and everyone else would be under curse. But it's interesting how they missed something. Remember the covenant given to Abraham? He said, In you, Abraham, all of the families of the earth will be blessed. What was meant by that? Jesus would come, and regardless of where you were born, you are safe when you are in Him, in Jesus Christ. Now, that leads us to the next one here, which is a new course of life. Look at... Uh, just a couple of verses here. Verse 12, he says, If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Verse 15, That whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And of course, verse 16. Um, and then verse 18, He who believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. So two choices are in place uh, through this verse. Believing and unbelieving. Believing and unbelieving. 
Jesus said to him, a um, couple of places, in verse 10, uh, he says to Nicodemus, you're the teacher, you don't understand? You don't understand, Nicodemus. Verse 11, he says, you do not accept. Listen, you've heard what I've said. You, you don't grasp it. You don't understand it. And you don't accept it. And in verse 12, he says, you do not believe. You know, oftentimes we think that ignorance comes... We, we, we think that, un, excuse me, we think that unbelief comes because of ignorance. But it's really the other way around. It, it's not that unbelief comes because of ignorance. Well, they just don't know. That's why they don't trust Jesus. That's why they don't follow him. No, the opposite's really true because the gospel, even though it's deeper than we'll ever fully understand, a small child can get it. A small child can see, you know, they, they asked Karl Barth, who was a theologian who studied his whole, you know, for so many years, brilliant mind studying about God, and they asked him, what is the deepest thing that you have learned through your studies? And here was his answer. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Hey, when you boil it all down, that is the deep message. He loves you. He died for you. He wants you to be new. And that means to be born from above. That is accepting the fact that someone who was outside the box came in the box so that you could get out of the box <laughs> and be set free in him. Nicodemus was having so much trouble understanding this because he was trying to understand it on an earthly scale through all of his learning and through all of his books and through all of his meetings with other rabbis, you know, he had this certain type of understanding. But he was not understanding the fact that he needed someone from above who, were being, who has been where he's never been to help him understand what he needs to know. Uh, one illustration I ran across in this study, let's imagine, uh, just for the fun of it, that you had a pet fish, and so you were going to take your pet fish for a walk, and so, you know, you got you, uh, uh, you know, something with wheels to put your pet fish on. And so you get you a leash to put on your pet fish. And you put the fish on the box and you start walking around the neighborhood. And, you know, first the fish is flopping around. He's very happy. But before long, you have a real problem that you didn't realize. Fish do not breathe air. And so the fish is in real trouble. Nicodemus is in trouble because he's trying to breathe spiritual things in earthly terms, with earthly air. He needs a spiritual understanding that comes through the Spirit of God and through Christ alone. It is not enough to believe and say, well, Jesus walked this earth. Jesus was a real man. Jesus was a good teacher. Jesus even did some powerful things that we can't understand. It's not enough to believe of Him. We are called to believe in Him. Guys, that is a vast difference. It's not enough to believe of Him. We must believe in Him to place our confidence in Him. It says in John 1.12, Yet to all who received Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. Are you a child of God? Have you received Him? That's the message today. Let me close this one last point, um, calling it the remorse of new life. Whew. 
man. And what I mean by the remorse of new life is God doesn't force anyone to receive that life. And it's heartbreaking. There's remorse in thinking that people we love will say no to such a great invitation to be totally loved, to be totally forgiven, to have a guide and a teacher with you forever. This life and then in heaven once we're done with this life. But people turn that down. Um, it's going in our text, uh, verse 19. This is the verdict. Light is come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. People say, well, you know, I don't know about this Jesus stuff. You know, I don't know if he's really who he said he was. So what do they do? They put Jesus on trial. But let me tell you the truth. Jesus isn't on trial. We're on trial. Because the Bible makes it clear that one day, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Jesus isn't on trial. We are. Nicodemus, buddy, you're on trial. <laughs> Not Jesus as you, as you deal with this. And Jesus said, he said, here's the problem. Here's the issue. People love the darkness. They want to hold on to their sin. They don't want to be exposed. Until you're exposed, you can't be healed. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just and forgive us your, our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's a, there is an if there, you know. It tells us in John 10, 9 and 10 that we have to believe on him. We have to confess him to be saved. There is a condition there. There is a responsibility by us. It's not enough to believe of him. We have to believe in him, placing our confidence there. It's just the truth. Many people do not want to come to Christ, not because they don't know who he is, but because they're scared if they come to Christ, they're going to have to give up what they're doing. But let me tell you, what is so good about what you're doing? When we're trapped in our sins, we're miserable. Why do we want to hold on to that? And yet Jesus said they just want to hide in the darkness. They don't want to come to the light. That brings us to verse 21, which is really an invitation <laughs> to all of us. So um, look at that verse. It says, But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be plainly that what he has done, seeing plainly what he has done, has been done through God. So the invitation, um, come into the light. Whatever it is that is causing darkness, something you're holding on to, something that's blocking either being born from above or blocking your relationship with God now so that he seems far away and not near. He says, come into the light. Come into the light. And part of what God wants to do in all of us, guys, is day by day, moment by moment, 
when you're saved, it's not just a one time, I'm glad this is over, don't have to worry about it again. I've got my ticket to heaven now, I can just live any way I want. That is not salvation. Salvation is understanding what He did for you, who He is, and how you will never ever be able to repay Him in living out of the gratitude of that sacrifice. That's where salvation occurs. And it, it is when we live like that, we understand that um, while we're here still. I want to close with this illustration. And then we'll have a time of invitation with the altar open. Maybe there's someone here who... You've never been born above from above. You've never been born again. Well, that's a great time to do it now. Just humbly say, God, forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. Make me new. I want to be born again. <laughs> and he'll do it. Uh, maybe there's some darkness that's keeping you from coming into the light in your relationship with God that you have. Man, invitations for you. Come, pray, share with God's people. And you know, sometimes we need to share with God's people because sometimes until we say it, it's not really real in our minds. And I think some of the purpose of confessing things, some things publicly is it's like, man, God, I, I really do need to do this. And now my brothers and sisters know to pray for me and support me in doing this. <laughs> and so anyway, uh, let me read this story and then we'll have our invitation. Long ago, or maybe not so long ago, there was a tribe in a dark, cold cavern. The cave dwellers would huddle together and cry against the chill. Loud and long they waited. It was all they did. It was all they knew to do. The sounds in the caves were mournful, but the people didn't know it, for they had never known joy. The spirit in the cave was death, but the people didn't know it, for they had never known life. But then one day they heard a different voice. I've heard your cries, it announced. I've felt your chill and seen your darkness. I've come to help. The cave people grew quiet. They had never heard this voice. Hope sounded strange to their ears. How can we know you've come to help? Trust me, he said. I have what you need. The cave people peered through the darkness at the figure of the stranger. He was stacking something and then stooping and stacking more. What are you doing? One cried nervously. The stranger didn't answer. What are you making? Another shouted. Still no response. Tell us, demanded a third. The visitor stood and spoke in the direction of the voices. I have what you need. With that, he turned to the pile at his feet and lit it. Wood ignited flames erupted and light filled the cavern. The cave people turned away in fear. Put it out, they cried. It hurts to see it. Light always hurts before it helps, he answered. Step closer. The pain will soon pass. Not I, declared a voice, nor I, agreed a second. Only a fool would risk exposing his eyes to such a light. The stranger stood next to the fire. Would you prefer the darkness, he asked? Would you prefer the cold? Don't consult your fears. Take a step of faith. For a long time, no one spoke. The people hovered in groups, covering their eyes. The fire builder stood next to the fire. It's warm here, he invited. He's right, one from behind him answered. It is warmer. The stranger turned and saw a figure slowly stepping toward the fire. I can open my eyes now, she proclaimed. I can see. Come closer invited the fire builder. She did. She stepped into the ring of light. It's so warm. She extended her hands and sighed as the chill began to pass. Come, everyone, fill the warmth, she invited. Silence, woman, cried one of the cave dwellers. Dare you lead us into your folly. Leave us. Leave us and take your light with you. She turned to the stranger. Why won't they come? He said, 
They choose the chill, for though it's cold, it's what they know. They'd rather be cold than change. And live in the dark, she asked? Yes, he said, and live in the dark. The now warmed woman stood silent, looking first at the dark and then at the man. Will you leave the fire, he asked. She paused and she answered, I cannot, I cannot bear the cold. But then she spoke again, but nor can I bear the thought of my people in darkness. You don't have to, he responded, reaching into the fire and removing a stick. Carry this to your people. Tell them the light is here. Tell them the light is warm. Tell them the light is all for all who desire it. And she took the small flame and stepped into the shadows. That's what Jesus did, and that's what he calls us to do when we are born again, when we're born from above, because there are people in darkness. They're stuck in their sins. They're, they don't like the chill, but they're afraid to leave the chill. Their eyes hurt when they see any light, so they want to stay in the darkness. They don't understand what they're missing. So church, we need to be the light of Christ. Let's call. Let's pray. God, I, I thank you for each one here, Lord, and, and this invitation shared already. May we just come, Lord, with us to the altar to pour our hearts out to you, or uh, Father, make a decision where we are, or come to the front and, and share with your people. Um, Father, maybe we need to be born again. Uh, maybe we need to be baptized as that act of obedience that I have followed, that I have seen the light and been born again. Maybe we need to uh, give something to you, rededicate our lives. I don't know what you want to do, but I know you want to do something, Lord. You want to bring us into your light today. So, Lord, we just ask you to do that because it will bring you glory and you deserve it. So move among us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.